Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, Playmakers. Hello. We have a very special guest today. We actually have someone who is a part of our team. She was our intern for a really long time, and she has a really, really cool story that she's going to share with all of us. So we will let her introduce herself. Hi, my name is Caroline Schrader, and I currently live in Charlotte, North Carolina. My husband, Randy Schrader, and I just recently moved back from Stuttgart, Germany, three weeks ago as he concluded his football season. He plays professional American football in Europe, and we have been over there for five years. She says that so casually. She's like, we just moved back from from another country. I just think it's so cool. I remember when we were going through looking for people to add to our team and you were so special because you had so much unique perspective to bring to the table. So we are excited for this interview and let's, let's get started about the industry. So how did you meet your significant other and how did you get into this crazy lifestyle moving? So my husband and I have been together for 10 years this year. We've been married for three. Uh, We met in high school and I did not date him during football season. He said to me, "Uh, I can't have a girlfriend during football season. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. He made an all-star game that was in December of 2012. And I went to the all-star game kind of crazy. My mom and I drove four hours to this football game in Myrtle beach, South Carolina. We were not dating still. And, uh, (laughs) The next day we started dating because he said, okay, football season's officially (laughs) over. (laughs) So that was in 2012, 2013, he graduated from high school. I was a junior and he was a senior. So that started our journey of long distance. And uh, we did long distance for five out of the seven years that we dated. He went to a prep school, not too far from home outside of Charlotte, then ended up playing division two in Missouri and went Oh man, maybe three or four years to school in Missouri. I think I was there for a semester and then we both transferred. I don't deal with negative 15 degrees in snow. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually moved to Florida and uh, he went to an NAIA school in Naples, Florida. And I went to school at Palm Beach Atlantic on the Atlantic side. And I was there for two years. He graduated college in 2018 and found out about playing football in Europe through one of his coaches. It was a really cool opportunity that he didn't know about and crazy situation. The coach from his prep school in 2013 was actually at his college in Florida at this NAIA school. And he used to coach part-time over in Europe. And he's like, Hey, don't really see the NFL being an option right now. Like if you're interested, you can continue your career. So he created a Euro players account and found some teams that were interested, ended up signing with a team in Copenhagen, Denmark. And that was 2018. He had a one month break that summer. We got engaged that summer and then got married 2019. And then October of 2019, we moved to Germany. So that started our stint. He had been in Europe for two seasons before we got married and I moved. And then we have spent three seasons back in Europe. Oh my gosh. And the seasons like of football in Europe are different than here. Yeah. His time frame there is usually like April to October. 
So that it's completely different than in the States. Seasons run, I would say May to championships could be September, October. Mm, And then they give you a visa, depends on the country, it can vary. Like in Denmark, your visa is like exactly the timeframe of the football season. But then in Germany, he had a visa for five years. So, (laughs) hey, you want to stay forever? Yeah, they're like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, and just in case listeners don't know, are the rules exactly the same? Is there anything tweaked? Like, is, what are the differences? I would say it's pretty it's pretty similar. More comparable, I guess, to NFL rules. But then in this league he played in this past season was the European League of Football. This was their second season in existence. And they did overtime rules as of college. Oh, so it's a, they would say it would be in German, but somebody would tell me what they said. Uh, like, oh, they're explaining the rules are college overtime rules. But I want to say like two feet or one foot, two feet, however, those type of regulations, that's more NFL. Gotcha. That's interesting. And when you first moved over there, so he gets this gig, you're like, all right, I'm going to go or I'm going to go visit you, whatever you did at first. What was your experience like? I had only been to Europe uh, once. I think I was like 15, went to Paris with my friend for a birthday. And then it's 2018. He lives in Copenhagen. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go visit during my summer break. It was an awesome experience, but definitely a culture shock. Then again, he was in Denmark. So a little bit about the country. They speak pretty fluent English. They learn English in the first grade. And then they actually learn another language once they get into like their later high school. I'm like, oh, here I am. I just speak English. Yeah. We're so behind in the United States. Right. <laughs> I'm like, can my children grow up doing this? Because it just is such an advantage. Um, so I only visited him, I want to say like 12 days maybe in Denmark. And really cool experience just to see the culture. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that I would actually be moving there years mm-hmm. later. <laughs> So that was 2018. He lived in Copenhagen. He wanted to do something like more full time because it's kind of hard. They don't make a lot of money and he would go over for what, five, six months. And then what do you do? Come home and work at Foot Locker. Yeah. And he's like, how long do I do this for? I want to maybe go in like more full time. So he actually signed with a team in the Czech Republic, uh, like three hours outside of Prague. And this was my last semester of my senior year. And uh, they didn't get him his visa in time. So he get you have 90 days within 180 days. As an American, you can go visit Europe within the EU. Well, when his 90 days was up, he's like, hey, I gave you the full time. Like, I have to go home. Because you can be blacklisted out of the EU if you, like, extend, overstay your welcome within your visa time. Uh So it's a pretty pretty serious thing. Uh, We actually heard recently that that team is kind of known for not getting people their visas. So (laughs) it was was a crazy situation. Why would they do that? Oh, another terminology. He's considered an import, which is kind of (laughs) hilarious. But, like, do you want imports on your team? You should get them visas. Imports. I like that. Yeah, you would think that they would help you out a little bit when you do that. But let's talk about living accommodations because does everybody have a buddy like when they live together or is everyone on their own or are you bunking up with some uh, guys? Like, uh, how, how does it work? <laughs> uh, every team's different. Every country's different. So Copenhagen, his first year, he lived with a family. Super awesome family. The sweetest people ever. The They had a son. It was like a single mom and her son. And um, 
he, the son was like maybe 14 and he slept on the floor in his mom's room. So Randy could have his room. And so, so sweet. Then in Czech Republic, Randy lived with another player. They had a pretty nice slipping situation. Germany, when we were married and moved together, uh, we had a full apartment, really nice apartment, like living room, bedroom, kitchen area, like very nice. Then back to Copenhagen, we lived with another family. And then Germany this past year, we actually did live with two other players, which they're awesome. They're some of my best friends now. I love them dearly. Lived with an Italian kicker and then an American DB from Houston. How do they like pair people up or like how does that what does the team decide? Because if you have a wife or kids, because some of these people I'm sure do have kids, how do they pair you up with other families or people? I just think it depends on the team and like their budget. Mm. So the families that we lived with in Copenhagen, like they are paid to help provide living for us. So I think it's families that are giving of themselves, like, hey, we'll take in an import. And one of the, the family in Copenhagen, we lived with the last time we were like there sixth or seventh import like they just forever always had them the place in germany this past season it was like an airbnb that they were renting long term so three of us we each just had our own bedroom there were two bathrooms and then the european league of football which is a more professional league compared to the other teams in europe they have to they can't really put you with a family because it has to be considered like more professional living Mm -hmm. so the imports like lived with each other so they were like different groups like Hey, these people live together. Then the receivers or the French players, like all the French players live together. So that was more how they paired them up. For us, it was kind of random, but it worked out well. Yeah, I couldn't imagine moving all the way over there and then just like rolling my suitcase up and being like, hey, (laughs) and not ever meeting. Do you have like a FaceTime or Zoom or anything before you get there or they're like here's the address and- <laughs> this last time for randy so what i've been doing is moving after him help him get settled he usually has camp before i get there anyway so it's like you fully focus on football get settled then i will come so no i had no idea who these people were I, my mom flew over with me this last time and we took a detour went to paris for a few days and then took the train to germany so it's us and i packed three suitcases she had a suitcase for like trekking up these five flights of stairs. And we're like, hey, <laughs> I now live with you. And I was like, Randy, did you tell them that you have a wife? Like, I don't know. That would be a little weird. <laughs> That's so funny. So how do you work? How do you work? Yeah, <laughs> how do, do I work? work? Yeah. How do you work when you have to leave like your job and follow him and go for like five to six months? throughout a year. So right now I do work for a very flexible, convenient company. Uh, I work at a school as an athletic director and do their marketing conveniently. My parents own the school, but I also do some contract labor work that helps me with income. And then I work remote. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah. I feel like you have to. There'd be no way you could just like leave for six months out of a year. I have looked at like, oh, can I find like remote jobs, especially because that's so popular now, but they still want you to work on their time zone. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, that's something you have to take into consideration. Like I'm six hours ahead. I would get caught a little bit in it when I would work remote. Like the day didn't start for me, say 8 a.m. That's 2 Mm p.m. So then people are calling me at 11 p.m. Well, it's only 5 p.m. Yeah. So, but you just have to be flexible with it. Yeah. 
And I'm so curious, when you're over there, what is your like day-to-day schedule look like? Do you wake up, you go watch <laughs> practice or work out? I just am so curious how you meet friends because I would be very intimidated to just walk down the streets and be like, hello, I'm here. Yeah, no, that, that wasn't yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> the way I meet people is mainly through the team. Yeah. But there aren't a lot of married people. Europe is different way of life. A lot of people have families and children and have been together for years and years before they get married. So there would I'd meet girlfriends or maybe some coaches would have wives. Sometimes at the gym, if uh, my three main requirements when living over there is a good bed, a good shower, and a gym. Like I can survive if you get me those yeah. things. Have you got all those things at all of your locations? Not at all the locations. (laughs) (laughs) The requirements have become more strict as our time has gone on. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, I guess I would just say through the team and then there is part of a language barrier, but Mm -hmm. yeah, you just kind of deal with it and it's better to have friends than be alone just because you only speak English and Mm -hmm, there's a little bit of a language barrier. And then the other women that you've met and some of them that maybe speak a different language, but they also speak English, are they accommodating and like help you? I know you were saying that someone was explaining to you the rules, like, would they help you with that kind of stuff? Because everything is in a different language, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this, what was kind of funny in the stadium this past year, there would be an average, like maybe 2000, 2500 fans. So it's different size. I can't imagine going from like, Mississippi State or Clemson and like these players played at these big stadiums yeah. and then to come play like it, it's interesting to see the comparison because we know football in America mm-hmm. right but the rules for this past league they were only allowed like four Americans two on offense two on defense well everything else is in German or there are teams in Spain, Turkey, I'm trying to think where else, a team in Zurich is coming next year, a team in Italy will be in next year, Austria. So this league, the European League of Football, they are expanding and a lot more is having to be in English because that's the common denominator of a language. Mm-hmm. When you're playing a team from Barcelona on your German, the English is the only thing that everybody knows. So what was always comical is I obviously yell in English. Yeah. Well, then I look around and I'm like, oh, I'm the only one yelling in English. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one other wife. Her husband was, I think, maybe like a defensive coach. And she was from California. And they had met. We lived near a lot of military bases. So that's how they met. And so I would yell in English and then I could like find her in the stadium. <laughs> like, oh, there she is. <laughs> She's yelling in English, too. <laughs> So everyone was super nice. Like they know that we don't speak German and especially people would ask like in the smaller towns, not with football, but we would like be at a bakery and we had this old lady like get mad at us and was like Deutsch learning, like learn German. They were like, oh, sorry, I'm just trying to buy some bread. (laughs) But I feel like because we have played so many countries, they're like, why don't you know German yet? I'm like, well, we've also lived in Denmark in the Czech Republic and this is our second time in German so I don't know what's going to come out Spanish English yeah. German <laughs> combination of all of the places exactly <laughs> that's such a cool experience though I love that you share that story about the bakery because I would be so overwhelmed if someone was getting mad at me in another language what other stories do you have just from your experience of learning a different culture and just how things are so different I feel like even though they speak English there's probably still things that culturally are 
are way different than what we do in America. So what's some things yeah. that you can share <laughs> that you experienced? I will start with like non-terrifying stories. Okay. <laughs> we want them all. One funny difference like culturally with football, and it's something we do in America, but not to this extreme. When someone's injured, they clap. And like when, when they are injured in America, you know, like when they get up, everybody claps, like, great. Mm -hmm. You're not terribly hurt from the moment they're down. They start to like slow clap. What happens if they had to bring an ambulance out and this poor person is like severely injured and you're just sitting here like slow clapping. And then like, when they start to get up, they clap faster. And then as we do in America, they clap like great. You're off the field. But I never could get used to that. Like, why are you clapping? Like this person's hurt. Couple other cultural things. Hospitals. I'll go extreme. (laughs) Hospitals, depending on the country, I haven't experienced hospitals, thankfully. That's good. In Denmark or Germany. But when we were in Czech Republic, I went to visit for over my spring break. And we went on a road trip. And on the way to Vienna, Austria, stopped for like a couple, 30 minutes, couple hours in Budapest, Hungary. And Randy's stomach started to hurt pretty bad. And that evening we ended up in the hospital and he had to have an emergency appendectomy and get his appendix removed. He ended up there for five days and they didn't do it orthoscopically. They, he has a scar like this long and they were like, Hey, we're going to monitor it overnight. Like we'll check your white blood cell count. Uh, and yes, obviously he had to have it removed, but the more terrifying part of the hospital, he had to share the room with five people. So we're in the emergency room and they're like, okay, we're going to take you to your room. And the doctor looks at me and is kind of like, why are you following? And Randy's like, she's just going to help me get settled. Then she can go. And I'm like, where am I going? Like it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm crying in the middle of Budapest, Hungary. They do not speak a lot of English. So they lead him into what they called like the men's room. They had like all women room and then an all men's room. And there's five, six beds like in this room. They shared rooms. So oh I was like, God. what the heck? Like in America, I'm like, you get the little side bed with the TV and the person in the hospitals just on the bed. You have a private yeah. room. So that was a huge cultural difference. And there's men and women's sides. Right. Well, it was like every couple rooms would be like a men's room. And then another couple rooms down would be like a woman's room. And the nurses like couldn't really speak English. So I have a, I have a whole blog on it. If you want to read the, all the details of the traumatic (laughs) story. So where did you end up going? Did you end up staying by his side or where did you? No, uh, I wasn't allowed because it was an all men's room. Like I could visit, but we had a rental car, which just his name was on. So I think that's what he was more freaked out about. I was like, oh my gosh, you have to illegally drive this rental car. But I found an Ibis hotel, not too far from the hospital. And I was driving. I've never driven in Europe before trying to figure out how to get to this hotel, like check in on my own. Then the next morning he calls me and is like, Hey, I'm going into surgery. I love you. Bye. And I'm like, excuse me, what? Like I'm freaking out. So it was the whole thing. Oh my gosh. That's scary. Yeah, Especially because you can't like research like, oh, a good hospital. Like you're right. like, this is an emergency. Like we need to get to a hospital. So oh what the whole process, we were trying to find a hospital. We ended up going to three, I think, before we actually found like one that he could be admitted into. And our goal was to get to Vienna because his parents found this ranking of healthcare systems 
out of countries, and I don't remember the number, say there were like 82 countries on this list. Budapest was the 80th. So we're like, oh, this hospital looks like something out of World War II. Like, is he going to make it out alive? Like, it was horrible. So our goal was to get to Vienna because we knew Austria had better health care. But you can't put somebody that who has their appendix about to burst like in a car because then you're in the middle of nowhere. Like what happens? Mm. So, wow. Yeah, we made it out of that. (laughs) And has he been to the doctor since? Like, did they check it out and say, yeah, this was done correctly or anything (laughs) like that? Honestly, I don't know if he ever had that. Like we checked out. (laughs) We always make a joke. Like if you go from the airport and they're like, oh, they left something in you. Like legit, the people at the hotel, I kept having to like buy another night. And they're like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, my husband's in the hospital. They're like, oh, hopefully he makes it out alive. Oh, Why do you say that to someone? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awful. Okay, what other, what other stories do you have? Give, it, give us all the tea. <laughs> I'm a little terrified to ever have to go to the hospital. Yeah. I'm like, I have my appendix. Can I like get that preemptively taken out? Yeah, seriously, just in case. If you ever go back to Europe, get your appendix out first. And- right. Uh, other stories. One team, I won't name names or places. <laughs> we did not get bigger than a twin size bed. So we had to alternate who slept on the floor. And the only reason we had a place to sleep on the floor is because we went to Ikea and got a folding chair that like turned into kind of a cushion and rode it nine miles or I think like not, we rode nine miles total that day. So like Randy rode with that thing on his back for like three miles from Ikea to the house on a bike. So it was a hilarious scene. People are just looking at you like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> there's just like a mattress on your back. I, I can't explain how tiny that room was. Like you could like lay, I feel like on the floor, touch like all sides. <laughs> all your stories, I just can't imagine. But I feel like, I mean, you would do it for your significant other. I say that and then I'm like, well, I'd probably do it too if I was over there. So yeah totally get it in your strength and I I appreciate you sharing all these stories because people don't know this they just know that you go over there and it looks so glamorous when you head oh it it looks so glamorous I mean there are really high highs and really low lows um but the highest of highs in the what I like to call like the glamorous lifestyle that you do see going to Paris is awesome Mm -hmm. traveling the French Riviera is really cool I took a train to Vienna this past season and went to a game. I've been to Rome twice, like experiences that I never would have ever had the opportunity to do if he didn't go play over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it doesn't come with some heartache and struggles. Yeah. I feel like it'd be really hard too, especially because, I mean, it's always hard for us with losses and, you know, in football, it's so different than, than baseball or basketball where sports kind of play more than one game a week. And you have all that time to think about. I feel like especially in your case, because you don't really have much else there, you know, that you can kind of like distract yourself with. I mean, you can go, you know, take a a lovely walk and I'm sure like meet some people. But it's very different than like when you're in the United States, you have like, you know, your whole routine and everything is kind of like football's added in. So you kind of have that when you're losing that I'm sure that perspective of like, great, we have another like week to think about this. I'm sure that's probably difficult too. Yeah. So to spotlight that a little bit, uh, this past season was not the best with records 
and losing. This year was different for us. Like I've hinted a little bit, it was a more professional league. Not that the other ones aren't, but they're more club ball that they bring imports in. In this league, it's more everybody's kind of an import. Like you have your homegrown, your local players, but then you have a lot of imports. So in the other leagues, we hadn't really experienced losing. Mm. Uh, he has two rings, won some great championships, and then this was a different experience for sure. Yeah, I actually reached out to my Morph in a Season girls <laughs> asked for some advice because we were sitting at 0-4 and, and like you said, it's just another week of like, oh my gosh, we have to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> and you try to be supportive. You know how it is when you want to talk realistically, but then your spouse or significant other, your husband, they have to think like, oh, hey, we're going to the championship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we, We're winning this whole thing. And you're sitting here like, um, we're 0-4. And uh, at what point are you kind of like disqualified from the playoffs? Yeah. Like, uh, and something that's different for us with this in the way that Europe works, only four teams out of these 12 teams in this league made the playoffs. So people are like, oh, when you when are you coming home? And uh, you would say like X date. But it's like, actually, we could be home a month earlier mm-hmm. because you don't know if you don't make the playoffs, your season's cut short. Yeah. So it, it all is. It's, it's, it's a hard ride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's so tough with losing and I can relate to that a hundred percent because we were part of this program and we lost, oh my gosh, every single game. And there's even a video like on ESPN, someone's like knitting in the stands. It is awful because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Uh, yes. And I was, I was in that row with that girl. Like I was very far to the right, but I just remember you see that and it's just so heartbreaking because you know how many hours they put in and in your mind, you're like, yeah, I don't see this getting any better, yeah. but you can't ever say that. And nor do you want to believe it either. But then you start to feel bad for the players and all these things. So there's just a ton of emotion. So with that, what learnings did you come out with? Because I know that you have to keep it together for yourself. And then also your significant other trying to like, encourage and keep him going. And then that would go hopefully to the team. So what have you learned with your relationship in this past season? Number one thing, stay off social media. That's a, it's a hard spot to be in, especially when you as the significant other are seeing all the backlash that is being written about your husband being a player or a coach. That is some advice I definitely could give. (laughs) Bunny story, not very good. One of the final games for us was so angry and was on the phone with my dad and I was just expressing all my frustrations. Like I think they lost by like 30 or something. Mm -hmm. And I obviously am biased, but you watch, you know, the game well enough. I watch what my husband does and I'm like, okay, he can't throw the ball and catch it himself as Giselle Brady, but Giselle Brundren said for Tom Brady (laughs) once. Yes. And you see like, oh, how the line's doing. Like there's way more to the game of like, hey, it's the quarterback's fault. Hey, it's the coach's fault. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, let's evaluate everything. Yeah. So I'm on the phone with my dad, pretty angry. And I turn around, I am sitting in the press conference room and I was like, oh, they're done with press conferences. Like I'm talking on the phone. I turn around and there's a reporter behind me. I'm like, no big deal. Like I don't even care at this point. So the reporter reaches out to Randy like the next week and was like, so we heard that uh, your wife was pretty angry after that last game. And Randy's like, I think everybody was pretty angry after that <laughs> last game. <laughs> I don't 
don't think she was alone in that. <laughs> yeah. So to have a normal routine, that was what I tried to stick with. Yeah. On Wednesdays, we would go out to dinner regardless of what the score of the game was. And we tried to go to the gym the same times each week and do things that were normal life, even though he had to watch five hours of film a day. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you make some time for our relationship and let's focus on life beyond football. And that's where sometimes I feel like it's difficult is it is just a game Mm -hmm. and you have to step back and be like, okay, it's a football game. Like these, there's people in the world that are dying of illnesses that have death in the family or like heartache. And we're heartbroken over a football game. So that is where I try, I struggle with it a little bit, but it is our livelihood. We did move across the world to play this football game yeah it's hard because I feel like a lot of people don't understand like on the outside that it yeah it's a game but again it is something that we do depend a lot on we depend on you know some people for their money for their living or you know maybe where they're gonna be the next year so it's hard to be like yeah it's a game but also like (laughs) we get our income from this game so I totally appreciate where you're coming from with that Okay, you know, we, we ask this question at the end of every single interview, so you kind of have a one-up on everyone else. But <laughs> if you could go back in time and tell your younger self one thing, just starting out in this industry that you know now, what would you tell yourself? So there's a quote I'm holding on to right now, and I saw it on Instagram at, before the beginning of this season. And it is, a secret to happiness is letting every situation be what it is instead of what you think it should be and then making the best of it. And I felt like that no matter what the situation is, you go 0-12 during a season, you win championships, you, I don't know, there's so many like highs and lows with it all. But even in the lows, like make the best of it because, you know, you look back and these were the good old days. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been reflecting on recently is like, we've been together 10 years. I just found a bunch of football tickets from that I have kept like from his games in college. And it's like, oh man, like there were some hard parts in that too. Yeah. It's like, oh, remember those memories? Like, why didn't I cherish that more knowing one day, like those would be the good old days. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we can all tell ourselves that like, oh, cherish the moment you're in. It's fleeting. It'll go by fast. But that would be my advice. No, that's great. And we appreciate you coming on here and sharing everything with our listeners. And if anybody wants to reach out or maybe is possibly moving overseas, trying to figure out this industry, where can they find you on social media? My Instagram is CSK Trader. Uh, I do have a vlog that is on YouTube that I documented a lot this past season. And it's Traders Take Europe. That's our handle. So So you can actually follow my husband too. He's doing this film breakdown right now on YouTube and he's breaking down at the ELF. He does the NFL too, once the season starts, but his is called the film breakdown. Oh, cool. We'll definitely tag that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. We loved having you on and just getting to chat and hear about your experiences. So thank you again. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And thank you to everyone that's listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on more than a season podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at more than a season podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.